I would suspect that we still have plenty of room to make money in commodities, especially agricultural commodities. Thanks for joining us for part two of our interview with legendary global investor Jim Rogers. If you haven't yet watched part one of our discussion with Jim, in which he explains why he thinks the worst bear market of our lifetime is fast approaching, head over to our channel at youtube.com Wealthion and watch it there first. It sets the context for the investment perspective that James and our partners at New Harbor Financial share in this video. Oh, and if you haven't yet, don't forget to support this channel by first liking this video and then clicking the red subscribe button below, as well as that little bell icon right next to it. Believe it or not, these two tiny steps really do help us out. Okay, let's get started watching part two of our interview with the one and only Jim Rogers. Where do you think we are right now in the commodity cycle? Are we still in early innings? Is there still a lot of room to run here or what? Well, as I said before, I mean, silver, I own silver, is down 60% from its all-time high. I mean, Adam, look out the window. How much, what do we know that's down 60% from its all-time high? Very little. Um, sugar is down 70% from its all-time high. So in my view, and all of this money printing historically has led to higher prices for real goods. So in my view, uh, we have a long way to go. Um, the all-time high on silver is $50 an ounce. Now it's 23. So why can't silver go back to its all-time high? That's the way markets usually work. Eventually things go back to where they were once, once upon a time. Uh, so I would suspect that we still have plenty of room to make money in commodities, especially agricultural commodities going forward. Um, who, who knows? I, I don't know. But I, if you want to protect yourself, that's one way I am protecting myself. I hope, I hope, I hope I'm getting it right. Uh, agriculture is cheap and many commodities are still cheap. Now, copper is making all-time highs. <laughs> that's because it looks as though the world has become electrical, electrical cars, trucks, and everything else. Well, it turns out that a, a Electric car uses several times as much copper as a combustion engineering car. So uh, there's going to be huge demand for some of these metals that we didn't have before. And yes, it's at all time highs now, but electric cars are just getting started. A lot of things are just getting started. All right, great. And, so it sounds like you're basically saying you we're still relatively early on in the commodity cycle as you're looking at the world, right? I mean, obviously the biggest bear market in history will probably depress demand for a whole bunch of things, probably everything to a certain extent, but until we get there. Well, still was already down 60% from its all time high. Now it's yeah. up a lot in the last year, as you point out, commodities have started moving uh, and, and in bear markets for a while anyway, they, everything goes down no matter how wonderful it is. That doesn't mean you should rush out and buy silver today because it could get killed too in a, in a bear market for a while. Uh, but I would suspect that you ask how to protect yourself. I would suggest that real assets, partly because they are still the only cheap asset, is a better place to be. Okay. Makes a ton of sense. Um, 
one question people often ask is, um, is there any benefit one way or the other owning the actual hard asset itself, either in physical form, like your silver coin uh, or futures or whatnot, um, or owning the producers, the companies that actually you know, mine, grow, extract these things? If you know what you're doing and you can trade futures, please do it. But you're going to get very rich very fast. You might go broke this afternoon too if you don't know what you're doing, um, or if you know if you know a company that's going to find silver in Berlin. You should buy all you can, and then please call me because I want to buy. Because <laughs> obviously the companies give you great leverage. That's another great way. To, to make money in a, in a bull market. But you remember Mark Twain? Mark Twain once said, listen, a gold mine is a hole in the ground with a liar standing at the top. Yep. He obviously lost a lot of money in a gold mine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my point is there are hundreds of silver mines. If you know the right one, of course, you'll make huge amounts of money. But otherwise, I mean, physical physicals are a good way to play too. Futures, companies if you know what you're doing if you know what you're doing but there are many ways to play but please don't do it if you don't know what you're doing yeah yeah or as we like to say in this program a lot you know uh work under the supervision of a professional that is experienced in this area you know don't don't try to figure it out on your own you know as a hobbyist well i i would change that a little bit and i, I would say the best advice is don't listen to me stay with what you know everybody watching this knows a lot about something whatever it is cars fashion something stay with what you know and then if something goes wrong you know what to do but if you listen to me and something goes wrong you don't know what to do but don't send me an email i'm not going to answer <laughs> tell, you what to, tell you what to do when i make a mistake no if you want to be Adam, if I told you, you can only have 20 investments in your life, people would be very careful. They would invest in what they know and they would be successful. So my answer is stay with what you know. And if you don't know anything, put your money in the bank and, and wait until you find something that you know a lot about. Problem with putting your money in the bank is which currency? <laughs> you know, you might, a lot of people put their money in Icelandic krona in 2007 because it's paying high interest. But then Iceland went bankrupt and so they got wiped out. So it's, it's not easy. I wish it were easy getting rich. Oh, wouldn't that be wonderful? It's not easy. <laughs> well, that, that, that actually, that's, a, I think, a great discipline, which is imagine that you only have a limited number of investments you can make in your life and see how that actually enforces the type of discipline that you're recommending here. Um, I hate to ask you this based on the comment you just made, but we had... I mentioned to folks that I was going to be talking to you, and I did get a number of questions from folks about your opinion of several different commodities. And if you don't mind, I'd like just to sort of toss them out there. These are not, we're not holding you to these as recommendations. This is just one man's opinion. But um, uh, let's start with two I, of them. I might answer you, but I want to repeat, don't listen to me. Don't invest in it if you don't know what you're doing. Exactly. Exactly. That said, people are curious to hear your thoughts on this. Okay. Um, oil. Yep, I, I own oil. I have. I'm even contemplating buy, buying more right now. When you say oil, I mean assume you mean hydrocarbons, oil, natural gas, uh, yes, things. Yes. Like that. Uh, I own it, and I plan to buy uh, more. Uh, 
oil is down 50, over 50% from its all-time high, and known reserves continue to decline. They've been declining for a long time. Then along came fracking. Well, we had a wonderful bubble in fracking. If you could spell fracking, people would write you a check. Say, please, please invest. invest. <laughs> then we all found out, oh, wait a minute, they got to pay their bills. They got to make money. So fracking is not going to disappear, but the bubble is over. And in the meantime, known reserves of energy everywhere in the world are in decline and have been continuing to decline. So yes, we're all going to have electric cars someday, apparently. Yes, we're all going to have solar panels. Uh, if we have electric cars, I've got some silver. I've got solar panels. I've got some silver. Uh, there are other ways to protect yourself. Uh, I do own that uh, hydrocar, uh, oil and gas. Actually, I own coal too. I own oil, natural gas, and coal. Okay. So the other, the, the next one on the list here was uranium. Is that a market that you're in at all? It's it's kind of gone I own crazy. Uranium. I, own, I own uranium. Yeah. Okay. And, and uranium stock. I don't have physical uranium. In the <laughs> I hope not. I hope you're not going to pick up a piece of uh, radioactive uranium right now. I, I have physical silver, but I don't have any physical uranium. Over there. <laughs> um, and, and can in just 30 seconds, can you explain why you're holding it? Why, why you're excited about it? Well, uranium has been a disaster for a long time. And, and one of the things I've learned in my disasters, we've been talking about energy, uh, known reserves declining. <coughs> People are going to have to have electricity one way or the other. And, and I own uranium. Okay. Uranium, uranium, I mean, the price of uranium has a, been a gigantic disaster in the last few years, as you probably know. Nobody's opening uranium mines. <laughs> I mean, you know, mines are closing, mines are being depleted. It's simple supply and demand. All right. And, and, Real quickly, I mean, do you see policy towards nuclear energy becoming more favorable over time, given the energy crunch that you're talking about? Uh, in the world, yes. I mean, the Chinese have a lot of nuclear uh, power and are building more. The French, I mean, the, many European countries still have nuclear power. Uh, nuclear power is cheaper and more efficient and better uh, if you do it right. Right. If, if you make a mistake out of, oh my gosh, you got Three Mile Island on your hand, and that's not a lot of fun. And you got Chernobyl on your hand. Uh, but no, nuclear power is great if you do it right. If you do it right. And there haven't been that many nuclear power accidents in the past 50 years. There have been some. But no, I, I, that's why I own it. Okay, great. And just a note to viewers here, um, I've, I've seen some interest in potentially doing an interview on uh, the future of nuclear power, uh, because there are a lot of technologies that are coming to bear that, that are purporting to make it a bit safer and whatnot. If folks are interested in seeing an interview like that, let me know in the comments section below. If there's enough interest, I'll try to bring on an expert to talk about that. Uh, next commodity, Jim, is, is farmland. You, you mentioned a number of agricultural commodities. Um, one would presume you're probably a fan of, of farmland at this point in the uh, in the story, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, I, I certainly am. Uh, I'm not going to become a farmer, but if you like going out in the sun and being in the dirt, it'd be a fabulous way to make a living uh, and get rich because, you know, Adam, the average age of farmers in America is now 58. In Japan, it's 66. 
I can go on and the highest rate of suicide in the UK is in agriculture. Many Indian farmers have committed suicide. Most people in America study public relations than study agriculture. We're running out, there's no kind of less and less competition. <clears throat> Unless we're gonna stop wearing clothes and eating food, uh, agriculture is going to get better. And, and I would expect farmers, as I say, if you really, really love it, go out there and buy yourself a farm and you'll get very, very, very rich. If not, buy futures, figure out your own way to do it. I, I, own, I, own, I own the ETF the way I do it, but there are many ways to do it. Yeah, and, and uh, just a reminder for folks watching, we had an uh, interview a couple of weeks ago with a fellow named Ed Hargrove on the particulars of farmland investing. I'll put a little card up for that here. You can watch that if you want to you know, build off of Jim's advice there. Um, all right, and then the last question on the commodities here, Jim. Uh, no surprise, it was the precious metals, gold and silver. You've already mentioned them several times. So um, I guess anything else that you think is important for folks to know about them that you haven't said already? Well, we mentioned metals, we mentioned uh, energy, we mentioned agriculture. That pretty much covers the block, doesn't it? All right, good, uh, yeah. I think we're good. All right, so look, in landing the plane please here. do not, oh. wait, I just want to say, do sure. not invest unless you, if you're going to invest, please start with ETFs because that is a lot. Many studies have shown that the average of investing in the indexes outperforms nearly all investors. So un unless you know a lot about cotton or whatever it is, please start with ETFs. Good advice. And of course, you know, but by doing that, you're, you're letting, you're leveraging the intelligence of the person putting together the ETF. Uh, you know, you're leveraging somebody else's expertise and, and not just uh, jumping in without any prior experience. Um, all right. So two last questions for you, Jim. Um, one is, um, I've sort of asked this a little bit in different ways earlier, but just um, most people watching this are just trying not to become collateral damage to the big macro trends that we've been discussing here. Me Is there too. any? Me too. Okay, <laughs> you too. I don't as well. want to be collateral. I want to survive too. Well, is there any parting advice you would have to folks here that, again, you haven't already shared in this conversation? Well, I want to repeat. Just please don't do it in anything unless you yourself know what you're doing because we're going to have a very difficult time sometime in the next two three years year one i don't know when it's coming and you must be knowledgeable and then you will get prepared and because it's going to be very difficult and many people will not survive and i hope all of you who are going to get prepared and i hope i survive too I hope all of us survive. And Adam, of course, we hope Adam survives too. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Uh, all right, great. Well, that's a, a great point, which I don't think can be really hammered home enough, which is to invest in your education, right? The smarter we all are, the better our odds of coming out of this. Uh, and, and yeah. I, I, I also want to say that, please, I know we're all Americans, uh, but please contemplate opportunities in other countries because every one of us on this show, our, our forebears came from somewhere else and invested and made investments, <laughs> diversified investments as far as nations are concerned. There are a lot of great opportunities in other countries if you know what you're doing and it might be a very, very good uh, 
insurance policy as well as a way to make money. So do not preclude investing elsewhere. I mean, Canada, for instance, I mean, it's not very far away and they have got lots of natural resources. They've done a less bad job of running their economy than, we, than Washington has. That's just to give you, I'm not suggesting you rush out and invest in Canada, but I'm just using that as a simple example that when I say invest somewhere else, I'm not saying some exotic thing like, oh, you must invest in Zimbabwe. There are many places that are reasonable and you could understand. Great point in hammering home the time-honored um, you know, best practice of diversification, not just in asset class, but also in geography as well. I also loved your description of Canada as less bad. <laughs> it's about as, about as complimentary as we can get of any player on the stage at this point. Um, well, if, you right, know Jim, some, if you know somebody who's done a good job, please tell me. I, I, I wish I, I did. I, me neither. I cannot find any. Uh, well, look, last question for you is uh, you have daughters um, and I'm just curious uh, if there's any advice you're giving them um, about just life and how to, you know, not, not just prepare for what coming, what's coming, but just sort of live their lives in this future that we're stepping into. Is there any advice you give them that you think our listeners would do well to share with their own children? Beware of boys. as a father i can really appreciate that (laughs) i have i have two teenage daughters and i'm explaining to them beware of boys but no the same thing that i said about investing i i hope that they can find what they love i i I don't want somebody to say them oh you should be a lawyer or broker or whatever i keep telling them to find what you love a lot and pursue it and if people laugh at you really pursue it, then I know you're right, you know, and, and those are the people who are most successful as investors, but as in whatever they do, because they're the people that are happy. They don't go to work. They wake up every day and they have fun. Uh, and, and even if they're not happy, uh, even if they're not successful at them, they don't care. They're happy. So I'm trying to teach my girls. I'm trying to teach them, you know, that money is to be saved, not to be spent. I'm trying to teach them to understand money. But the real lesson I'm trying to teach him is figure out what you love a lot and pursue it, no matter how absurd it is. In fact, the more absurd it is, the more likely it is to be right. All right. Well, look, wise advice from a wise father. And uh, Jim, I mean, you you have been a ferociously successful uh, investor in your lifetime. And that's why I think in many ways it counts more coming from somebody like you hearing the advice uh, happiness is really the true wealth in the world. It's it's not the number of zeros necessarily in, in your bank account. Um, I think from, you know, some people might just think, yeah, happiness is more important. Sounds like a platitude. Uh, it, it really is. At the end of the day, that that's what matters. And as any any parent wants for their children, at the end of the day, they want them to be healthy and they want them to be happy. Um, I think that's great, uh, just grounding context. So thank you for sharing that. So Jim, as we as we wrap Wait, up Adam, here, oh, yeah, I, go ahead, I, make, I make I make many mistakes, so don't 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 think I don't know how to. You want to hear about my you want to hear about my first wife? Oh my God, what a mistake <laughs> that was! Oh, I made many mistakes in my life, in life and investing. So figure out your own way and do it, do it, do it. All right. Well, thanks, Jim. Well, Jim, as we wrap up here, uh, for people that would like to follow you, your wisdom, whatnot, what would 
what's the best way for them to do that? Is it just to Google Jim Rogers or is there a website they can go to? I, I, I have a website, but no, it's, it's, that's about my adventures. I've written some books, um, but I don't have, no, I don't have anything to sell, Adam. Sorry. Uh, I don't, <laughs> don't have, I don't have any clients. I don't have, I'm sorry. I'm just a simple, simple person. You know, all my life I was against children. I felt sorry for people who had children. Oh my God, how could you be so foolish as to ruin your life by having a child? And then I had a child. Then I then I had a child, and I found out it was wrong. So, have some children. This is my daughter calling me. I can see. All right. Well, look, we'll we'll let you go so you'll be able to talk to her. But folks watching, um, definitely get a hold of Jim's books. Um, they are excellent, excellent material, uh, both for investing. But he's written some wonderful books about his life adventures, including uh, biking around the world on uh, on what kind of motorcycle, Jim? The BMW motorcycle. All right. Um, I went around some... the world. I went around the world on a BMW motorcycle and got the Guinness Book of Records, and then I went around the world in a Mercedes cars of custom. Mercedes car. I spent five years driving around the world. Let's see, you shouldn't be listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all, Jim, because you've seen it all, uh, both literally in your travels around the world, but also across the, the arc of your career. And as I mentioned, being one of the most successful investors, uh, living investors in history. So, Jim, thank you so much for your time here. We'll let you get uh, to pick up that call to your daughter. Um, but uh, really look forward to having you back on the program early in, in 2022. And maybe by then we'll have a little bit more clarity into what's going on here. But thank you for all your work, both on this program and the many others you appear on in helping people get themselves prepared for what may be coming. Adam, we're not going to have any more clarity because it's never easy. Um, friends of mine say, oh, gosh, it used to be so easy. And I say, I don't remember it ever being easy. It was always <laughs> complicated for me, and it always and it will. But we're not. Yeah, we'll know more in six months than we know now. But then we're going to be worried about something else. I assure you. I wish it were easy. Oh, I guess the only advice, the real advice, I should give people is watch wealthy on. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jim. Uh, your promoter's check is in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Um, and uh, like I said, Jim, uh, look forward to having you back on the program in the new year, but uh, have a wonderful time with your family between now and then. And thank you so much again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Got to go. She's on the phone. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right. And now I want to bring in the lead partners at New Harbor Financial, which I do every week. These are the financial advisors that are officially endorsed by Wealthion. John and Mike, you were with me a year ago, the last time that I interviewed Jim, and uh, it looks like um, a lot of the things he warned about, uh, continued intervention, rising debts, et cetera, uh, came to pass uh, perhaps way more than we even thought was possible. And as Jim just said, you know, he's even more concerned than ever. Um, very quickly, John, Mike, Mike, why don't we start with you? Just quick reaction to what Jim said, then I want to get uh, to some of the specific recommendations that Jim talked about for investments. Yeah, what a legend, Jim Rogers, and a pleasure to be uh, part of this program that, that he's on. I can't believe that it's been a year since he was last on Time Flies. So it goes by much faster than you realize. And yeah, things have only gotten more extreme. The market is up a good 20 plus percent or so in the last year, on top of what was already an incredible bubble. Um, the amount of money printing we, we have seen has, has exceeded all expectations. Jim says over and over again that 
we don't know how much these guys can print. I mean, they're, they're going to just keep printing. They're never going to stop until they break the system. That's, that's basically what they're showing us. And um, so I really enjoyed his presentation. Look forward to diving a little bit more into some of the things he talks about, like interest in commodities and, and other things. But uh, yeah, a real honor to be part of this. Great, John, anything you want to add before we, we get to the specifics? Uh, no, other than I, I, uh, I very much appreciate his, uh, his uh, sense of humor when looking at such a, uh, you know, really distressing set of circumstances. You know, I, I give him great credit for truthful perspective, which he certainly has uh, in his life and career earned the, the chops to, to prognosticate about, but also uh, the injection of humility and humor. That's uh, something that we all could use uh, to be candid. Yeah, and Jim, you know, he's got that Southern charm. He's able to sort of say it with a smile on his face in a way that doesn't make it sound as horrible as it really is. Uh, we're all from New England, and I think we lean more towards sort of gallows humor. <laughs> but uh, but Jim seems to somehow be able to, to keep it a little bit lighter. Um, but I like that what you said there, John, humility and humor. I think uh, we're going to need healthy doses of both of those to make it through what's coming. Um, all right, so let's get specific about, uh, you know, Jim's... Um, uh, favorite investments, at least at this point in the cycle. And I guess it's fair to say uh, his warnings of expecting the biggest bear market of his lifetime. Um, he and I didn't specifically address it, but you know, I'm going to put some words in his mouth where I think he feels that at some point cash is going to be a great position to be in here uh, as the price of everything gets sucked down. And you know, he and I went through a number of different commodities and hard assets that he is a big fan of, but even he himself said, hey, the price of these can go lower, you know, during the initial vortex that pulls all markets down. So um, uh, even though he didn't say it directly, I do think uh, having a healthy cash position and being willing to add to it is probably something that's pretty big on his list of priorities. Um, but he did say that he is currently invested in international equities um, uh, in lots of different markets, uh, many of them developing, China, Russia, uh, he said he's in, in Japanese equities and largely because he just wants to ride the back of the, uh, the head of the central bank there who's printing an unlimited amount of yen to keep things floating there. Um, but he did basically say real assets uh, were, was where he thought it was at. Uh, he mentioned many times that commodities is the one sector that he thinks uh, is definitely not trading at bubble levels of valuation right now. Many of them, you know, 50, 60 percent more lower than their all time highs which stands in stark contrast to many asset classes right now that are indeed trading at their all-time highs and have been setting new all-time highs over the past year, month after month after month for the most part. I did note there that he is a, a, a fan of um, owning miners for leverage, but as we've talked about in this program, really underscored the complexity of that space. And we talked about if you're gonna invest there, unless you brought yourself up the learning curve, uh, well, uh, in, in those types of companies, it's better to draft off the expertise of a professional that that does follow them closely. Um, and last, I think I'll just underscore, at least from my notes here, uh, is he said that he's not short anything right now. So he's he's not trying to fight the central banks directly at this point. Um, and I know a question many folks have on their mind is when is go when is it going to be the time where you know short positions may make sense to start aggressively moving into? Of course, you guys and I know over the past, really the past decade, you know there are a lot of dead bears that uh, thought, hey, two years into this, five years into this, ten years into this, 
uh, surely this is the time to go short. And they did and they got destroyed. So um, that's the danger of being too early in that space. John, why don't I hand it to you? I see you nodding a lot here, but um, you know, I'm curious uh, based upon your reaction to my notes and any other notes you took. Um, a lot of what he said is, is pretty, you know, copacetic with how you guys are managing things at New Harbor, but what did you take away? Yeah, very much. So yeah, um, I mean, he was pretty, pretty candid uh, in saying that uh, pretty much commodities are the uh, only asset class that, you know, aren't really in a bubble. Um, yeah, there, there may be individual stocks here and there that are value and, and good buys, but he broadly painted the picture of real estate, um, stocks, bonds, you know, uh, in a broad sense, uh, being in bubbles. Uh, he did, as you, as you noted, um, indicate that he's uh, more interested in, in some of the international stocks and, and many of the countries he did rattle off our emerging economies that ab absolutely resonates with and, and jives with what we um, see in, in the data that we look at. The valuations for emerging market stocks are vastly better than developed market stocks, especially the US market. That doesn't mean they can't go down. In fact, even when they're undervalued, they can go down uh, in, a, in a faster way than developed market stocks. Um, and and this, this really hits a point here about you know, um, misleading kind of short-term takeaways uh, and missing the bigger picture cycle. So in the same way, he will acknowledge that these bubble stocks can go higher and therefore, you know, if for no other reasons than humility, he, he would never short this market. Like we're not shorting and we, we wouldn't suggest clients, uh, we wouldn't go out of our way to suggest clients to short this market for that reason. Um, he also acknowledges that commodities, even though they aren't in a bubble, certainly can go down. And almost like um, the ultimate head fake, you know, uh, he, he, he related the story of the Japanese stock market of the late 80s, early 90s, you know, uh, blow off top like, you know, we've hardly ever seen. And you might say that could be an analog for what we see here in this country. But he also made the point that here we are 30 years later and that market is still 30 percent down from where it peaked at that time. So it's really incredibly important, I think, for folks to, to sink in the big picture cyclical takeaways from what he talked about. As hard as it may be to hold commodities today, we'll talk about it more, but today gold is getting smacked in a, in a big way. Um, and we, we think there could be further near-term weakness, but we think the longer term is, is likely much higher. Uh, for the same, by the same token, uh, stocks can certainly go higher in the near term, but the longer term is probably a massive, massive, to put it in Jim's words, probably the worst bear market of our lifetimes. Uh, and then the other one thing I'll, I'll point out is um, I think he did a really good job being a financier, finance guy himself. He made a very good point, I think, to talk about things not money related that, you know, we, you know, with the kind of scenarios we may see, there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff going on that um, that has no bearing on one's the size of one's bank account or whatever. And in, so far as their ability to uh, peacefully and, and um, with peace of mind navigate what may likely be a very, very rocky and maybe socially unrest uh, uh, scenario. So we here at New Harbor, and I know that re this resonates with, with Wealthion, we oftentimes spend a lot of time talking to our clients about things uh, well beyond the scope of the money we can manage for them. You know, things like, you know, getting one's debt situation in order, um, building some resiliency of, of, of skill sets or, or living situations or, or career. These are all things that don't have to do with investing, but are probably just as important, if not more so, in terms of one's financial security uh, longer term. Well, I'm, I'm really glad that you reinforced that last point there, John, um, because I think that that is, uh, A, something that really differentiates, you know, you guys from sort of the standard uh, run-of-the-mill financial advisor. But, but you know, we, we've been talking 
for many times on this program, many, many months, you guys have been you know, pulling out those charts uh, that John Hussman and his folks there uh, produced that show that based on today's level of valuations, the annual return for the market for the next 10 plus years, uh, based on historical precedent, looks like it's going to be negative. I think maybe the last time we pulled up that chart, it was about negative 6% annually over the next 12 years that they were projecting. Um, and you know that is an analog to what uh, Jim was talking about with, with Japan. And I think when we put up those charts, people maybe understand it, maybe a little bit academically, but um, uh, I think for a lot of people, it's really kind of hard to imagine that world because as Americans, we haven't had to live through something like that really in recent memory. But the Japanese have, you know, if we, if we think it's unlikely or it can't happen here, we just need to look at Japan. And I'll tell you, back in the 80s, nobody in Japan thought that that company would have fallen as far and as long as it has. Um, and of course, that's going to, you know, whether or not that happens, where we have the biggest bear market of, of our lifetime and we're all dealing with, uh, you know, depressed asset prices and everything, um, or whether the status quo continues. And uh, the 0.1% gets acceleratingly richer while everybody else gets squeezed. Um, there are going to be big social implications out of either one of those trajectories. And we're all just trying to figure it out together. And that, that's why I really appreciated, um, you know, Jim, I, I need to send him a promoter's check, I suppose, but, uh, but very kindly, you know, encourage people to watch Wealthion because he said, if you, if you watch, you'll get worried. And if you get worried, you then might prepare. And I know he was talking about more than just preparing your portfolio, but preparing in all aspects of your life. And I, I think that that is really captures the spirit of what we're trying to do here with these videos. And no, we're not trying to scare people. That, that's not the main intent here, but the intent here is to try to give people factual data that they can then use to make prudent decisions in their lives today in preparation of what might be coming. And as we've been talking about here, just the data is actually pretty scary at this point. And you know, if you ignore it, um, you will pay the price of that ignorance. And so anyways, uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear, John, that uh, that you guys are helping people, you know, obviously prepare financially, but also focusing on the spectrum of all other aspects of life that are likely going to be impacted by, you know, what Jim sees coming down the road. Mike, let me switch over to you now, because I, I do want to talk about something that John mentioned. Um, we are recording this on uh, Thursday, uh, what is this, uh, September 16th. Uh, and the markets are getting, uh, they're taking it on the chin today. Pretty much everything on the board that I see here is down. But as John mentioned, the precious metals are, are getting hit harder than most right now. Um, you guys have seen, you know, lots of ups and downs in the precious metals. You've been invested in them for many, many years. Um, my guess is that you've sort of seen this before, but but let me let, me let you react to this because uh, I know we have a lot of folks watching who are in interested or, or invested in the precious metals. Is this something that's got you guys really worried or is this sort of, a movie you've seen before. Yeah, Adam, like you said, everything is down today. The S&P is down today and gold and silver are down. Now, I should say that stocks are only down about 2% or so, maybe a little bit more from their all-time highs, and they're still well up on the year. So um, by far, the biggest bubble that we see anywhere is in the equity uh, indexes, particularly domestically. But I'd, I'd like to, to hone in on the precious metals because you asked that question. Gold is down $40 as we speak at around $17.50 or so. Silver's down a little over a dollar at $22 or so. And while disappointing, if you really kind of step back and take a look at these charts, the longer term charts, the weekly or even the monthly chart, gold and silver have been consolidating for a long time. And yes, today's move is frustrating. 
and disheartening for for people that have held precious metals and have held it a long time, um, you know, expecting them to take off and to get stronger, which we think they ultimately will. But patience is required. What's really happening though is we're coming back into the support zones for both of these things. I'm looking at silver right now, right around 22, this long-term support shelf that goes back quite a ways. Really, I think for anyone that doesn't own it or wants to increase the position, the silver is looking uh, even, even more attractive at the moment if you can buy it without a huge premium to spot. You know, the premiums have been getting a little bit better in the bullion markets. They're still, you know, they're still larger than they have been historically, but silver probably offers more long-term potential than gold in terms of uh, percentage gain. Uh, it is more volatile, so you want to have a balanced mix of gold and silver. It's maybe something like 60% gold, 70% gold, 30% silver. There's no exact right answer, but silver looks to be in this support zone at around 22. Gold coming back into the 1750 area. We've been saying over and over again, there's that critical support zone of 1680 to 1720. Might be a little more, few, few more days of downside in the metals, but long-term we're not, we're not shaken by this. We've been through it before. We're in this for years and longer, not just for a couple of days. So just a couple of days, we'll probably see some further weakness and whipsaw action, but timing is impossible. We don't know when we'll break to the upside out of these big consolidation triangle patterns, um, but would not be surprised to see um, sometime in the next six to 12 months, gold will start to take off up, up above 2000 towards 2500. And of course, silver will do quite well as well. So stay the course. Good time to buy if you don't have any. And if you've been looking to add, would consider doing that here. That's well said, Mike. And it's it's interesting. I mean, we've been following the precious metals for a long time. And just a couple of years ago, not very long ago, uh, I think people would have been um, extraordinarily pleased to know that gold was going to be trading at six, uh, 1750 and that silver would be in the 22, 23 range like it is now. Um, and uh, of course, you know, we're disappointed because we've seen higher prices, you know, in the relatively recent past. Um, but these are already great, you know, been a great return, a great ride for people who've had it over the past couple of years. Um, and as you said, uh, there's lots and lots of fundamental reasons, and we've had many, many guests on the program here, so I won't, I won't rehash them all here, but why, uh, you know, unlike many of the other assets that we've talked about that we feel are, are, are potentially dangerously overvalued, and we can make an equally lopsided case that the precious metals are very good values right now. Um, I'll mention too that David Hunter, who we've had on the program here, and I, I only bring him up because he continues to have kind of the most... Uh, you know, I would say the most aggressive targets, uh, but they've been the ones that have, have actually been met the most uh, this year. Uh, he just came out again this morning, reiterating his call that he believes uh, sort of before by the end of the year that uh, to your point there, Mike, uh, he sees gold back at 2,500, silver around 50. Uh, all the miners probably more than doubling from here at this point in time. Not saying that's gonna happen. I'm just saying that he has redoubled uh, that uh, prediction in the midst of, of just today's volatility. So, um, uh, all right, guys. And, and as we wrap up here, I, I wanna pull one more sort of interpretation from Jim's comments. And uh, from him talking about you know, his confidence that we're going to be heading into the biggest bear market of his lifetime, uh, I, I think he would agree that hedging techniques become even more important 
in advance of that event, right? And for those that are unfamiliar with hedging, uh, hedging essentially is insurance that you bake into your portfolio so that if prices go down, you have protection against the drop um, in those prices. And uh, sometimes you can even hedge in ways that if prices go down, you actually make money. Um, we've talked in the past, guys, about your risk management that you guys use at New Harbor and, and how you use hedging um, intelligently for that. I don't want to get into it in depth here, but I am interested in getting it in getting into it in depth for folks that would appreciate a new video that's just dedicated to how to hedge against a market correction, where I walk through with you guys and have you explain in layman's terms to everybody how to use all the different arrows in the hedging quiver. So folks, if that would be of interest to you, just let us know in the comments section below and uh, we will uh, we'll, we'll create that video if there's enough interest in it. Um, so guys, as we part here, um, John, I'll let you have the parting word here, um, given everything that's going on in the market today, um, but everything that we talked about with uh, Jim that might be coming tomorrow, uh, what kind of parting advice do you have for folks? Yep. I just want to quickly say uh, your, your comment there about the uh, hedging tutorial. Uh, we have gotten plenty of requests uh, for that, just that thing from our clients and, and some prospects. So we're actually working on, on pulling something together there that would be, uh, you know, uh, what I would describe as a lay, lay person's education. Obviously, it will be generic. It won't be investment advice for any, any particular, but, but we can go, we're going to go through and we'll put together a video. So that's in the works. Uh, we're just trying to fit that in alongside the, the busy work that we do have on our day to day jobs. Um, the, the, you know, I'll just say one more thing. And, and um, you know, in this environment, it has become so um, tempting and almost impossible to not buy into the narrative that they won't let the markets go down. They'll keep printing. They won't let the markets go down. And I really appreciated Jim's candor and saying, I don't trust they can you know, save us from anything. And he, you know, they, he, he referred to a lot of different unnamed <laughs> institutions and entities. Um, but that's the truth and history bears it out. You know, just like we talked about Japan is 30% lower than where it was 30 years ago. Back then, there was no imagination that this, that could have happened because they were, they had the markets back. Um, even the, the tech bubble collapse and the housing bubble collapse, they were trying with all their tools at the time to keep that from happening. And Jim's point was one that at some point, the psychology shift happens where uh, the investors, the folks get sucked into that narrative, narrative suddenly don't care anymore. They don't care that the, the, that they say we're going to print even more, you know, at, at some point, and it's such a hard thing to pinpoint. And that's why these things are psychological in nature. It just happens and, and it doesn't matter anymore. And things like cash, which are, you know, detested right now become, you know, in short supply and, and, and everybody wants it, right? And everybody wants out of everything else. So that's, a, that's the one point I want to say. It's, it's a hugely psychological, torturous time right now. And that's, that's it's not by accident. It's, it's these factors that, that play. I think it's very well said. And the only thing I'll add to that is when sentiment tips, um, it, it does tend to hit a tipping point and then switch almost like a flip, almost like a switch getting flipped. And when people run into the exits, um, those exits can get crowded very fast. And a lot of the sort of safe harbor assets uh, sometimes can get, uh, you know, uh, bought uh, very quickly. And, and there either just isn't inventory uh, or prices start shooting the moon. Um, that's certainly true in precious metals, but it's true in other asset classes as well, which is just sort of underscoring. You don't want to wait until that flip of sentiment, yeah, you want to start preparing beforehand uh, because once the herd starts running for this stuff, it starts, uh, you know, 
getting unavailable very, very quickly. As Mike Maloney likes to say with assets, they either become uh, unaffordium or unobtainium <laughs> in that type of environment. All right, so with that said, uh, if you're a new viewer uh, and not familiar with this, um, we highly recommend that you work with a professional financial advisor in trying to put all the insights that have been discussed in this interview with Jim and with the guys here at New Harbor into action in your portfolio. If you have a good advisor who understands these risks, great, stick with them. But if you don't, John, Mike, and the team at New Harbor, uh, they offer a free portfolio consultation uh, for anybody that just wants to reach out to them and get their um, professional opinion on what they should be doing. It doesn't cost you anything. There's no strings attached. There's no commitment. They do it strictly as a public service. If you're interested in learning how to set that up, just stick around to the end of the video, which is coming up in about a, uh, 30 seconds. Uh, and we tell you how to do that. It only takes a couple of clicks to set up that uh, meeting. Um, if you haven't yet, please support this channel by first liking this video and then clicking the red subscribe button below, as well as that little bell icon right next to it. Um, sounds simple, but those things, if everybody watching this video does them, really do help us uh, continue to get great guests like Jim on this program. Uh, and if you want to find out who we're going to have on the program next and have a voice and who comes on this program, just follow me at, at Menlo Bear on Twitter. I listen to all your suggestions. All right, John and Mike, and whatever happens next, we will be tracking it here. Look forward to seeing you guys next week and everybody else. Thanks for watching. Thanks a lot, Adam. Uh, thank you, Adam. We'll see you soon. Thanks. If you'd like to schedule a consultation with one of the financial advisors at New Harbor Financial, simply go to Wealthion.com. These consultations are completely free and there are no strings attached. The good folks at New Harbor will simply answer any questions you have about your investment goals or your portfolio and give you their best advice given their latest market outlook. They're willing to do this because they care about protecting people's wealth and because Wealthion has connected them with so many thoughtful investors just like you over the past decade. We started doing this because so many people have approached us in frustration, looking for a solution because they're feeling out of alignment or downright ridiculed by the standard financial advisors who have been managing their money. You know the type, the kind that just pushes all of your money into the market, scoffs at the idea of owning gold, and when you bring up concerns about the market's sky-high valuations, they say, don't worry, the market will always take care of you. For many of the reasons discussed in today's video, we think this is one of the most challenging and treacherous times in history for investing. We strongly believe that today's investors are best served working in partnership with a conscientious professional financial advisor who understands the risks in play. Now, we're agnostic which professional advisor you work with, as long as they're good. If you're already working with one, that's fantastic. Stick with them. But if you don't, or are having trouble finding one you respect or trust, then consider talking to John and Mike and the team at New Harbor. Now, for those about to ask, yes, there's a business relationship between Wealthion and New Harbor, which we put in place to make sure everything is handled according to SEC regulations. All the details on this are clearly provided on the Wealthion.com website. Also, it's important to note that New Harbor is able to work with U.S. citizens, green card holders, and those with existing assets in the USA. But for regulatory reasons, they aren't able to take on non-U.S. clients. All right. With all that said, if you'd like some insight and guidance on how to protect your wealth during this unprecedented time in the markets, go to Wealthion.com to schedule your free consultation with the good folks at New Harbor. Thanks for watching.